Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Well, thanks for listening. And um, today we are going to talk about the topic of comparison. It's a topic that gets a lot of press, both in Christian circles and even in non-Christian circles. And it's actually come up pretty frequently on the podcast. And by definition, comparison is simply to estimate, measure, or note the similarity or dissimilarity between the things being compared. And that sounds benign enough. And simply noticing differences is certainly not wrong. It's part of being human. But for women, this can often become a big issue that can be paralyzing and lead to other problems. And so advice for how to deal with comparison can range from just don't do it to, uh, well, say these mantras of self-affirmation. You are beautiful. You are worth it. You are smart. Um, But these don't make us feel better for long, and they rarely stop the cycle of comparison. And most importantly, they don't help us evaluate and speak biblical truth to our hearts. So today, I've got Melissa Hodgson and Sherry Kitchell with me, and they are going to help us think through just this whole topic and, and give us some ideas for how we might evaluate our hearts um, and think biblically. But before we do that, um, will you introduce yourselves? I'm Sherry Kittrell and um, I'm married to Bill and I have four grown kids and six grandchildren, one on the way. So fun times. And I'm Melissa Hodgson. I'm married to Jeff and I have two adult children. Uh, Melissa, will you share your testimony with us? Um, Yes, I was saved in high school and uh, left for college. You know, a couple years went by, left for college and strayed from walking with the Lord, sadly. Um, But in the midst of me being unfaithful, the Lord was faithful to preserve and keep me and drew me back to Him and to church. Uh, So I'm very thankful to be where I am today. Great. Um, So we're going to kind of look at this topic, the first couple of questions by examining some scenarios where comparison can happen. Um, and so we'll just, we'll go through those and um, hopefully get some ideas for what, what could be going on when, when these happen. So the first scenario is when you're comparing something God ordained, um, something that you cannot change. So maybe your income, uh, your, your, uh, giftings, your husband's personality, your looks, your season of life, health, trials. So these are times where you might say, man, I wish we had her income, or I wish I looked like her, or I wish my husband was more like her husband. Um, And so what are some things that could be going on in our heart in these moments? And, And what biblical truths could we apply when we're comparing to some, with things that that are things that we really can't change. There are things, circumstances God has ordained in our life. Sherry? Well, it may be that we simply aren't getting what we want, and we also may think that we need this, or we must have, or we even deserve an easier path, or one that's more to our liking. <clears throat> there are few things that God may be revealing in our hearts, though, when we compare our lives to one another. The circumstances that we face vary in, diff- in degrees. I vividly remember one day, one, having one of those days when I was not getting what I wanted, and for me it was a trial. I was sure 
everyone else had an easier time of it than I do, and I felt sorry for myself. I was at the grocery store, and I had given myself over to a sinful thought pattern all day long, and then I found myself loading my groceries in the parking lot, and I ran into a very cheerful, joyful, and wonderful friend who greeted me with a hug. It was Allison Sexton. I immediately thought to myself, okay, Lord, I know you are sovereign in my day and you have brought Allison into my path for a reason. In light of my minor and even imagined trouble, it was humbling to hear that she, what she was dealing with that day. And the Holy Spirit then graciously revealed to my sinful heart, comparing, murmuring, complaining, ungratefulness and discontent. I think I confessed my sin to Allison. Instead of trusting him, instead of acknowledging that he was sovereign and I was his servant, I had grumbled and complained. In light of all that Jesus had done, I could have been grateful. Mm, good. What about you, Melissa? What would you say? Um, well, I agree with what Sherry said, just um, as far as what could be going on in our hearts, uh, discontent with where God has us and uh, maybe not trusting him in our circumstances and also possibly desire for comfort and ease. You know, all of us struggle through a trial and suffer and, and would prefer comfort and ease. Um, but what often helps me in those situations is remembering God's nearness and promise to let, never leave us. And um, the gospel shows his great love for me and he is near me because he loves me, which is a great comfort. Um, Psalm 139, um, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You search my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Um, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. And then Romans 8, 28 and 29, you know, which talks about God being sovereign over all things and all things working for his glory and our good. Um, and often when I'm struggling, I'm not thinking or um, maybe looking at someone else who's not having a hard time and wishing I had that comfort and ease or um, just being discontent in my circumstance. I'm not considering God's love for me and um, the fact that he's working for my good in this circumstance and and for his glory. I'm considering myself more than that. That's good. Um, yeah, just that fight for faith that God is sovereign and good, um, even when maybe our circumstances aren't what we want. So that's helpful. Um, okay, the second scenario is a little different, and this is when you see gifting in someone else. And it's a struggle, you know, maybe you notice someone who's more creative, really great at their job, amazing at decorating, a great cook, super organized, and you're not. Um, again, noticing these things isn't wrong, but I'm talking about when it's a really a struggle um, where you just feel very inadequate or inferior. Um, so what could be going on in our heart there, and what are some biblical truths that we could apply? Melissa? Um, first of all, I, I think that's a common temptation I could look at that list at any time and and probably be tempted in those ways and have struggled with um, being tempted about organization so um, 
but what can be going on in our hearts, um, desire for self-exaltation to be well thought of, um, finding our identity in the gifts, um, what we do versus in Christ, and forgetting who we are and who we serve. Um, the things that I find really helpful in those cases, of course, anytime we're convicted of sin, you know, sinful comparison, we should confess and um, repent. Um, but some of the things that I've found helpful to reflect upon are First um, Corinthians 12, when it talks about the body of Christ and how we are all part of the body. And um, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? And basically, if 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 we all had the same gift, which are all God-given, how how would the body be built up? So each of us has special gifts given by by God. And um, we can all use those for His glory to serve and build up the church in our community. All right, Sherry? Um, well, I think when I, when, when I struggle with sinful comparison, I do have to work hard to get my thoughts off myself and on to God. And um, this quote from Ed Welch helped me. It says, if only we could have something big enough, powerful enough, attractive enough to take our attention away from ourselves just for a moment to put our attention somewhere else. Sometimes I think one of the greatest lessons of the gospel in my own life is that I can just think less frequently about myself. And so a lot of times I think that's just it. I just need to think less about myself and then more about others and more about Christ. Um, and C.S. Lewis put it this way. As long as we have the itch of self-regard, I love that, <laughs> we shall want the pleasure of self-approval. But the happiest moments are those when we forget our precious selves and have neither, but have everything else. God, our fellow humans, animals, the garden, and the sky instead. Gazing upon the beauty of the Lord is the antidote to self-glory. One thing I have I asked of the Lord that I will... I'll start over on that. Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And this is also a really good time to learn from others. So I, I have friends that are really good at decorating, and I'll be in their house, and I think, hey, maybe she can help me pick out a color. And then the other thing is I have a friend that's a really good cook, and some of her recipes have become our fam family favorites over the years. Same for me. I've found with organization, you know, as I've appreciated other people's giftedness in that area, I've been able to get help from Jeff and from you know, our daughter, who's really good at organizing, and um, also just different people, friends of mine in planning in different areas like that. So certainly I think as we seek um, help from others, it, it grows relationships and uh, community, which is a great thing. Yeah, that is good. We can get our eyes off ourselves, Then we can be like, oh, wait, maybe I can actually learn from this person instead of being jealous of them. Or, um, Okay, so the, the third scenario is struggling when you observe character strengths in someone else, um, maybe especially the ones that you're weak in. So this would maybe be noticing someone who's more kind and patient with their children, maybe really consistent with their quiet time, good at evangelism, self-controlled, others focused 
you know, any number of um, godly character traits. And so how can we evaluate our hearts and apply biblical truth in that situation, Sherry? Well, um, when we're tempted to compare ourselves um, and we want something that someone else has or we are being, maybe we're just being convicted that we need to grow in a specific area or we may be battling condemnation that we haven't grown in in a certain area. Um, But when we are confident that Christ is at work in our own life, it is easier to thank God for the gifts that we see in others. He's at work in my life in a different way than someone else because he has a different work to do in me. We can thank God for the work of Christ in someone else, knowing that he is at work in both our lives. Melissa? Um, I agree with what Sherry said. Um, There may be sinful comparison or jealousy going on, but it also may be the Holy Spirit convicting and nudging us to interact with the Lord in a certain area where he wants to grow us. Um, And certainly if God is, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of an area and bringing something to attention, he's doing that not to condemn you, but to transform you. And as Philippians 1, 6 says, God is faithful to complete the work he has begun in you um, and bring it to completion. So take these as opportunities to go to the Lord in prayer um, and to learn patience since growth seems to take time and work um, and seek help from others who are ahead of you in this area. Um, Once again, it, it builds relationship within the church, which is a great thing that glorifies God. That's a good reminder. Um, Okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk about is just standards. Um, I think at the root of a lot of comparison is the fact that um, we're working from these standards that we've set for ourselves or that we perceive from other people or just maybe don't even know where we get the idea that this is a standard. But Uh, We can feel a sense of inadequacy or put pressure on ourselves because of them, you know, whether it's beauty, mothering, career, home cleanliness, spiritual discipline, disciplines, the categories are really endless where we can have, you know, feel like there's this standard. Um, And of course, there are very clear biblical standards, um, but there are plenty of others where it's maybe a little more gray. And so I'd love to hear um, how we can go about evaluating a standard. to know whether it's something we should even be aspiring to. Melissa? Um, well, like you said, Bethany, certainly seek guidance from on the topic from the Bible and and decide you know what would be reasonable based on your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, seek counsel from a pastor. Seek counsel from trusted friends. Or if you're married, ask your spouse. I think today we're just constantly bombarded with social media ideas and standards that I don't know if anyone could actually maintain. We, we're not even sure they're real when we're looking at them. So I think, I think things seem to be more difficult than when I was younger and um, going through these same kinds of questions. Sherry? Um, well, I like to um, think that we live before an audience of one. So God the Father is present with us in the midst of the things that we're trying to accomplish. And I think in my life I've just tried to pray and then ask Bill because I, he's my husband. So if you're married, you can ask your husband. And um, I know that I'm called to be his helper 
So I ask him what will help him accomplish his goals and what are his priorities. What's the standard he would like for me to have and what is important to him? What is going to help him most and what does he think God values for our home? And I find that very freeing for me. Um, but then there is, um, I know a lot of our standards we do get from social media, like Melissa said, and I had um, found this article by Nicole Whitaker, and it apply, it's about mothering, but it really applies to a lot of other areas as well, so I'm just going to read it. So often, we moms evaluate our own mothering by our worst days and compare ourselves to other moms on their best days. But both measurements are wrong and can result in a whole lot of unnecessary, not to mention ungodly, anxiety, false guilt, and self-pity. When we get back from that awful trip to the grocery store with three small fussy children or endure an entire day of teenage sullenness, we conclude that this worst day ever is the measure of our mothering. Total failure. But then we go online where a whole lot of mothering best days are to be found and assume other moms have it all together. We read a mom blog with gorgeous photographs of a creatively decorated, perfectly clean and organized children's room. And we assume this must be what this woman's entire house looks like all the time. Or our Facebook feed is full of paternal reports of children's latest sibling, loving, super adorable, mature beyond their years comments. And we assume that this is what conversations in those homes must sound like all the time. Or we pop over to Pinterest only to conclude that every other woman must serve fresh, delicious, beautiful, organic meals to her family all the time. What we can't see online are the 10 messy house, fussy children, cereal for dinner days for every one Pinterest perfect moment. So we must be alert to our temptation to compare ourselves to a false standard, a picture that someone else is trying to portray or that we have filled out in our own minds based on a single snapshot. That's just a good reminder that um, that's something to pay attention to, I think, especially for us younger women who are more on, on all those, I'm on all those formats. So um, that's just a very timely and pertinent reminder. That just reminds me when Sherry was reading that, we've had conversations on when we've walked together just about how free we did feel when the kids, when we had young kids, because we didn't know what the other family had for dinner or what someone else was serving or what their kids wore that day. So um, our kids loved cereal for dinner. I didn't know other people actually did that. So <laughs> I, I do think it can be a burden and a temptation to to people today just on all sorts of topics, not just motherhood, but any standard or expectation you may be setting. But Yeah, yeah, and that the that you're being bombarded with images of, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's a good thing to evaluate for sure. Um, well, I, I wanted to know just, and you've shared about this very humbly already, but, you know, are there ways that comparison has been a temptation for you through the years, and how have you sought to combat it in your own life? So, uh, Melissa? I think, um, you know, some of the scriptures I've mentioned have been helpful, and just focusing um on the gospel and you know God loves me and saved me and is working to 
change me more into the image of of himself and that's going to look different for me than other people and so I know uh, I think friends and family and our church community can certainly help help us work through those temptations sure um, I think a um, something that I've been tempted with and I have I can, I'm tempted with comparison especially I think it was an issue when I was younger and it gets easier maybe when you get older I don't know but um, I would a lot of times I would I'd see people that just get so much done and I w- I'm thinking how do they do that I mean I'm just barely keeping things afloat over here if we can get the laundry you know done and folded and put away in a day that's just like huge and I just don't understand how people are able to accomplish so much so that I think has always been just one of those things that I would definitely sinfully compare myself and question God's wisdom and when I think about comparing my capacity for work to someone's else to someone else's I can certainly identify with that Sherry I guess when I say organization that falls into that so I was probably comparing myself to you thinking she thinks she's struggling and I only have two kids and less laundry and I still can't get it done. <laughs> so it's never helpful to compare, is it? It isn't. No. <laughs> yeah, that is the irony of comparison is like you're over here comparing yourself to someone who's probably also comparing herself <laughs> to you. Oh man. Um well final question is just um and again you've you've already spoken to this um but how does the gospel inform this topic melissa um i'm just going to read this i I wrote this out um just god sent jesus to die for us showing his great love for us now through the power of the holy spirit he's transforming us more and more into christ's likeness for our good and his glory this is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing god knows us intimately Mm -hmm. and knows exactly Mm -hmm. what each of us needs to draw closer to him and be transformed into the image of Christ. We forget this when we get caught up in unhelpful comparisons. Um, And this is, I keep bringing up community, and whether that be the community of your family, the community of your friends, um, the community of friends at church, family at church, whatever that is, I think we always um, need reminders because we forget, and we forget the gospel, and we forget um, about God's promises, and, and we need... We need help. I know I do. Good. Um, I think the gospel has, uh, for me, it offers freedom from self-focus and helps me become, uh, helps me become a God-glorifying and God-fearing woman, and just reminds me of the fact what He did for me, and remembering that you know, like Paul, I was the foremost of sinners, and what Christ has done, and and where I came from. It's just really beyond imagination. Like I said, in light of where I came from and what all God has has done in my life, um, just delivering me out of darkness and bringing me into his kingdom of light, giving me new life and raising me from the dead. I mean, it's just, it's just beyond what um, I would have, I could have ever imagined. And so the gospel has freed me to think less of myself and more of other people. And um, by God's grace, we're all continuing to grow in that area where we can think more of Christ and think more of others.
Very good. Well, thanks so much for all your hard work. We were talking before we start recording, like this is a very complex topic. There's a lot of nuance to it and, and everyone struggles differently. Um, but thanks for all your hard work, ladies, thinking this through. And uh, we would just want to encourage anyone who, who struggles with this, and of course we all do, but if this is a particular temptation for you, um, we hope that this does give you some categories to think about. But uh, like Melissa said many times, we need others around us. And so um, bringing your spouse into this or, or other trusted friends just to help you think through your heart and um, just speak truth into your life um, would be a great thing if this is a particular challenge for you because the Lord really does want to free us uh, from sinful comparison so that we can live for His glory and be focused on Him and loving others as you guys said so well. And um, we would all also recommend as another resource um, a talk by Carolyn Mahaney called The Snare of Compare. And it's just a, a great talk on this topic that you may find helpful. Again, it's called The Snare of Compare. And if you do a Google search, you'll be able to find that. Um, so thanks again, ladies, for sharing with us. And thanks to everyone who listened. <laughs>